Welcome to Powwow Live Podcast from powwows.com, connecting you with native culture since 1996. Here's your host, Paul Gowder. Hello and welcome to the Powwow Live Podcast. I'm Paul Gowder, your host and the founder of powwows.com. Powwow Life is our podcast here at powwows.com, bringing you news, stories, and interviews from all around Indian country. Powwows.com is your way to experience, connect, and learn about Native culture, and I hope this will be a jumping-off point for you to experience more of this incredible culture. Today, I have an interview with Chef Brian Yazzie. Who's ready to eat? Chef Yazzie is an incredible chef who is uh, using indigenous ingredients to put more of his culture and his and his Diné roots right into his recipes. So I think you're going to enjoy that. Um, you might want to have a snack nearby because you're going to be hungry after this interview. But I do have a couple of announcements. Um, as always, I want to remind people to go and check our calendar and check it often for powwows around you. Head over to www.powwows.com slash calendar. We are adding events every day and getting lots of updates about new things happening, so be sure to check it often. If you're new to powwows, we've got information to help you learn more about the dance styles, the singing, the etiquette, and really what to expect at your first powwow. Check out our free email series, powwows.com slash powwows101. A big special shout out to our Patreons. These are folks that are really helping powwows.com achieve our goals and hit some really cool things that we want to do this year. And that includes hiring new writers, creating more content, getting more powwows live streamed. We're able to send more people out and get back to those powwows and bring you live video from all over North America. So thanks to these patrons for making that happen. If you want to join them and really help support powwows.com, you can join for as little as $2 a month, and it really, really does help support powwows.com. So go check it out over at powwownation.com. Okay, here's my interview with Chef Brian Yazzie.
Tao All Nation. I am so excited to bring you today, Yazi the Chef. This is Brian Yazi coming to us from um, Minnesota. And uh, so thankful for you to be on today. So I know we are all still safe at home and uh, still stuck stuck where we are. So what have you been doing to keep busy during this quarantine? Yeah, thank you for having me and the um, the opportunity to share the work that you know that I have been doing as a chef, you know, and as a servant to my communities as well. You know, so what I have been doing, you know, um, besides being isolated for a couple of weeks and then jumping into um, helping the communities that I am involved in, you know, um, one of the, the the newest project that I'm help helping on, um, working on is uh, starting a grassroots collective for my hometown on the Navajo Nation, the uh, community of the Nahotso. And what we are doing is we, we started a, a campaign, a GoFundMe campaign, also a Facebook page focused on the Nahotso families COVID-19 uh, relief project. And what we are doing is we're approaching the community at a grassroots level and uh, receiving donations and funding and directly doing no contact or drop off to, um, to community members. And the way we started the, the project is putting out a, um, a request form to, um, on, on a community base and asking what, the, what are the needs, you know, what are actually um, you know, ingredients that people need, even supplies, you know, and receiving their um, addresses and their phone numbers, you know, and directly tackling those issues head on once we hit the community. Instead of doing it a drive-by pickup, you know, what we're doing is more of approach a precautionary approach of actually delivering these products and at least I mean, at no contact, you know, so that's uh, one of the latest um, project that I'm working on. And besides that, uh, I'm here at the, um, the gatherings cafe inside the Minneapolis American Indian center. And I'm working with, with uh, chef um, Ben Shindu here and Linus yellow horse and Vanessa Casillas. And we are a volunteer group, um, working the last uh, two months and we are focused on feeding the elders of the twin cities. That's fantastic. It, you know, even though we are all in quarantined and kind of isolated, like you said, I'm amazed to see that people like you are still able to reach out and still able to search the community, search the tribe. It's fantastic. Thanks so much. And thanks for what you're doing there at the Indian, Indian center during normal times. What does what do you do there at the Indian center and uh, at the restaurant? Actually, um, I am a traveling chef. I'm uh, based out of St. Paul, so I uh, I do a lot of traveling on my own. So I don't specifically work for the Indian Center or the cafe. You know, I, I focus on um, helping to bring awareness to the indigenous food cultures of North America. And I am a um, 2016 graduate of St. Paul College. You know, and for me, you know, I started cooking at the age of seven. You know, as helped my mom in the kitchen as a single parent. You know, and I always had a passion for cooking since the age of seven. You know, and then going to culinary school and learning some um, some modern techniques of cooking. You know, and also using that as um, as a basic for you know serving and uh, creating ancestral food waste. Yeah, and food is such an important part of the culture. Um, as a modern chef, you know, and I know you're, you're cooking for lots of different people uh, as you travel around. How are you keeping the culture alive in your modern recipes and modern cooking techniques? Sure. So I, I'm using the philosophy cooking in two worlds. And just like I said, um, ancestral knowledge with modern techniques, you know, and when I'm, when I'm working with tribal communities, my main focus is um, at, at a grassroots level, meaning connecting with the community members. And instead of me 
creating the menu or talking about the work that I do, you know, I invite the um, community members, specifically the youth, and bringing them in the kitchen with me and starting a dialogue and talking about um, you know, what ingredients we can forage or what ingredients can be donated, you know, or what ingredients can we use from, from the pantry that we are working at and creating a menu off of that and having them be creative in the kitchen under my guidance. And when we're ready to serve the community as, as a dinner or as a cooking class, you know, we, um, instead of me talking about the menu, you know, I have these individuals come up and give them the opportunity and space to talk about their experiences of being in the kitchen and what they have learned and where they are taking this knowledge. You know, if they're going to be starting, um, you know, starting to look into cooking for the community or going to culinary school, you know, or if it was just something that they wanted to experience. And I'm always curious, um, creative people, I, I, whether it's food or art or whatever, how did you figure out that this is where you wanted to go? You know, what, what kind of got you started in cooking? Yeah. So for me, it was out of, um, um, out of love. It was, like I said, my, I'm the youngest out of um, eight siblings. And, you know, one day at the age of seven, you know, I remember being home watching our gargoyles, you know, that was popular back in the, um, <laughs> back in 92, 91, you know. Um, and I remember being home then I was so in the, the, in the boarding school campus. So, you know, back then it was safe to be in an area where some of the kids are home alone, you know. Uh, I'm on campus, I have the windows and the doors open. You have the neighbors outside. You have the neighborhood kids outside, you know, and it's just the background noise and watching, w- watching a cartoon show, right? And my older siblings are out, out of the house, you know, living on their own or they're out with friends. And you know, me being home, and I remember my mom coming home after a 12-hour shift. And instead of coming home to relax, you know, she would go straight into the kitchen and start cooking us a hot meal. And And I remember one day... The, the tapping of the knife on the cutting board and the aromatics coming from the kitchen. You know, that curiosity brought me into the kitchen. And ever since then, you know, I just had a passion for cooking. It was just the love that my mom showed, that unconditional love, you know, regardless if you're tired or if you had a long day, you know, always trying, always trying to give to others, you know. And, and that's what I receive from my mom. And that's what I try and give as a chef and, and as a servant to my communities. Very cool. Um, and so now as a chef, I know you prepared lots of meals for tons of people, but for you, what's your comfort food? What do you go to when you're looking for something to eat? Yeah. So, you know, since I haven't traveling a lot the last uh, five years, I, I try and incorporate different regional indigenous ingredients and into whatever dishes I make into working or even just being home, you know, in my pantry, I have a lot of, um, seeds and grain flowers you know i have a lot of um dried um dandelion greens or or um hyssop or bergamot you know i have a, these ingredients in my in my pantry that i try and be creative with you know for example if i'm making a spaghetti you know instead of using your traditional beef um your beef and um spaghetti noodles you know i would use like um i would peel um, a butternut squash into like the resemblance of um a spaghetti you know, and I would use um, ground turkey or ground bison, whichever I have access to. And I would mix that with um, 
onions, um, carrots, and wild rice, you know, whatever, uh, as a mere pie, you would say with the Western culinary perspective, you know, um, similar to making meatloaf, you know, but instead of making meatloaf, you know, I would make the meatballs and uh, I would sear the meatball and slow and cook in the oven. And I would toss that with um, tomato sauce, um, pepitas, pumpkin seeds, um, puffed amaranth, or um, and, and the, um, the the squash noodles. So just just something different of using indigenous ingredients, but giving it that Western perspective of what spaghetti is, you know. So and serving that to my family, to my fiance and my family at home as well. You know, just being creative and trying trying something new. Cool. That's, that's okay. Now I'm getting hungry. Um, <laughs> um, you know, as, as restaurants start to open back up, I know here in my state, um, uh, a couple weeks ago, they allowed, they allowed restaurants to have outdoor seating. And now we're starting to allow restaurants to have indoor seating. Um, as a chef, what do you think about people coming back in? Is there things we need to, you know, as, as patrons and, and as customers of these restaurants, think anything, any advice you would have for going back into a restaurant now in the COVID world? Sure. I mean, I'm not a restaurant owner. I'm not, um, I don't run or operate a cafe. I'm more of a mobile caterer and I do, um, um, virtual cooking classes and, um, interactive cooking classes, you know, traveling, but you know, I, I have friends, have friends and, um, and relatives who do operate and own restaurants, you know, and it is a dangerous time. Um, you know, the financial stability for restaurant owners and also their employees, you know, understanding that part, but then also looking from the outside in, understanding the reality of the, of the pandemic, right? And knowing that this might just be the first wave, you know, just, just, just looking at what happened back in the 1920s, I believe, one of the previ- previous uh, viruses that happened. And that would, I believe that went up to the third, third uh, waves. And, you know, and just seeing that, researching that, you know, it's a, it's a dangerous time, especially with restaurants and public spaces, you know. For me, from my perspective, I feel like it's too early to open up, even the outdoor seating, you know. So if I'm not cooking at home, I try and support one of the local restaurants or even the, the mom and pop shops, you know, the independent restaurants. And, and we, you know, do, doing curbside pickup or takeouts, you know. So I, I try and support that and also taking precaution because, you know, I'm one of the uh, the people that they call essential workers or, or the frontline workers. You know, I'm out here taking precautions and feed, helping feed the elders of the Twin Cities, you know. So when I'm out in public, I also try and take care of myself and, and, and try to be safe as well. You know, but on the topic of open up restaurants, I, I feel like it's still too early to, to, even, to even think about that. Yeah, good advice. Um, and so uh, if people want to know more about you, I know you've got a lot of stuff going on, on online. Tell us you know, some of the things we can go and find you and, and what we need to look out for. For sure. So I started a YouTube channel back in 2016 uh, with a, a very fr- um, close friend of mine, a mentor, um, Michael Ojibwe, uh, Red Cliff Ojibwe. And when I graduated from St. Paul College, he helped me create a, a promo video focused on my, my catering company. You know, and so we posted the video. You know, I, I, I wasn't really into YouTube or doing anything with media, you know, and it wasn't until last year, you know, I realized that just the last two years alone, I turned down about over 75 projects. And the reason for that is that the lack of funding that tribal communities had to bring out a chef, you know, and to be honest, that's anywhere from 1,000 to 1,500 average, 
covering the um the the, the room and board, the, the flight costs, and if it's on a reservation or in a rural area, you know, covering the rental. And that's not even including the, the chef services and the ingredients costs. You know, so realizing that the um within the last year, you know, I I remembered I had a YouTube channel. And so I've been strategizing of how, how can I utilize YouTube as, as a tool, you know, and I didn't see any native cooks or chefs on YouTube, you know, doing cooking videos and recipe videos. You know, I would see like small series with networks focused on indigenous food for sure, but not daily on YouTube, you know, so, so I, I was looking into that and I, and I came up with the, um, with the project of, um, easy made recipes. You know, um, if I can't get to these tribal communities, then I, w- I would connect with these tribal communities virtually, you know, just putting out, um, easy made recipes. And I started doing that since November of last year. You know, so I started putting up, I have over about 35 videos now, you know, anywhere, anywhere from three to seven minutes, you know, just easy recipes that people can make at home with what's in their pantry, you know, just more of a alternative items, you know, instead of using fresh, um, hominy, you know, nationalizing hominy, you know, and how to utilize, um, highly processed ingredient as in canned hominy, you know, just basically rinsing off the, the chemicals and just trying to start fresh with that simple ingredient you know, and just making comfort food healthy as possible, you know, so that is one of the projects that I'm working on that, that is, um, that has become one of my main focus, you know, so going through a couple of grants and, and private funders, I've been slowly building up my, um, my equipment of doing live stream cook, cooking classes and demos, you know, and also looking into, um, starting a, a podcast, um, the, the, the summer as well, you know, so, um, the Yaws podcast, which, um, was aiming for June, but it might be July now, you know, so it's just, um, you know, I have a couple of inter- people that I'd like to interview in the next couple of months, you know, and just focus on the um, sharing the um, indigenous, indigenous narratives from art to entertainment to politics to cooking. Cool. Yeah, congrats on the podcast. Very cool. Um, now, whether it's YouTube or a podcast or a food network, who are the chefs that you're watching? What are you going to to get inspiration and new ideas yeah definitely um the, the next generation you know um just as in you know some of the mentors that i have uh, just to name a few uh rowan white uh claudia Cerreto, uh carlos baca or uh, sean sherman you know um naftali duran you know just some of these mentors that have paved the way for me and, and showed me you know these different perspectives of Within the, within the indigenous food movement, you know, and now, you know, having the next generation of cooks and chefs looking up to me and having that collaborative effort of, you know, traveling to their communities or having them travel to the Twin Cities and even sharing recipes, you know, so definitely my, my, my motivation is, you know, the next generation of cooks and chefs. That's great. Yeah. And so what advice would you have for those young chefs that are starting out that next generation um, culinary school or should they start working? You know, what's the best way to, to get into this industry? Um, it, it, it depends what path they would like to take. You know, if um, if they would like to run their own business one day, you know, they're definitely looking to on um, culinary management. You know, and if you have family connections in the, in the culinary industry, you know, definitely get into that medium, you know, and, and gain knowledge as, as, as much as possible. You know, if you want to run your own restaurant or if you want to be a, a caterer, you know, definitely I recommend um, uh, culinary school, depending 
the tuition costs and the type of programs that you're interested in. You know, for me, I, I received an AAS, AAS degree in culinary arts, and that is to cover the, the, the simple, basic um, business management and also the, um, the, the, the culinary position, you know, learning about baking, learning about charcuterie, learning about butchering, learning about um, being on the line of, of cooking, you know, um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whatever it may be, you know, and learning the, the mentality and knowledge of how to run a crew, you know, and all that coming from um, the fundamentals of cooking through culinary school and also you know, connecting with indigenous cooks and chefs and learning a different perspective of ancestral roots or food waste, you know, and, and then just combining that and cooking in two worlds. Great. That's great. I know there's a lot of people looking up to you and, uh, and, and looking to all the other uh, native chefs out there and uh, hoping to, to go down that same pathway. So thanks for that advice. Uh, and I appreciate you being here today and, and sharing all that with us. And we'll make sure we put links to your YouTube channel and uh, your podcast. Um, good luck up there. And I hope you stay safe. I appreciate that. Yeah, and thanks for all that you're doing, too, for our Native communities, um, virtually and there at the Indian Center. We appreciate all that work. Definitely. I mean, if you have the platform and the medium, you know, uh, use that use that as a tool, you know, to, to, to stay rooted to your community and never forget where, where you come from. Great advice, man. Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks to today's sponsor for helping make this show possible. Are you struggling to find ways to get those vitamins, minerals in your diet? Are you the kind of person who doesn't like to eat their veggies? All right, well, I've got a way that you can do all that and start your day off with the nutrition you need and really set yourself up for success. Go check out Athletic Greens over at athleticsgreens.com slash emergent. And hey, to make it easy, they're going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Athleticgreens.com slash emerging. That'll get you there. It includes 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and all of that stuff you're going to need to get your day going. Check it out. It's used by pro athletes. It's got thousands of positive reviews it's a great product and less than three dollars a day to set yourself up for success go check it out athleticgreens.com slash emerging thanks for being here and listening and being part of the powwow life podcast hey if you're listening on facebook facebook's going to discontinue podcasts and you won't be able to get the show anymore there So go check us out over on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any of those places where you can find podcasts and hit the subscribe button there so you don't miss any episodes. 
Thanks to our sponsors, to our Patreons over at powwownation.com, and to Chef Yazi for spending some time with us. Hope you have a great week, and I'll see you on the next episode. for listening to the Powwow Life podcast from powwows.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notified of our next episode. Find a powwow near you by visiting www.powwows.com forward slash calendar. Support powwows.com by visiting www.powwownation.com. Here's this week's trivia question. You can head over to powwowlife.com to fill out the form and submit your answer. All the right answers are entered into a drawing for a 10-sticker powwows.com sticker pack. Here's the question. This year, we are celebrating a big milestone. We have been live streaming for a number of years. So tell me, what year was the first year we streamed and what was the first powwow we streamed? If you've been listening or following our content, you should be able to find it. Good luck. Powwowlife.com to submit your answer. What was the first powwow and what year did we first live stream? Good luck and thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week.